The following represents uh, two journal entries uh, of, a, of a wife and a husband uh, on what may have uh, been a bad day. At the end of the day, she wrote this in her journal. Tonight, my husband was acting weird. We had made plans to meet at a nice restaurant for dinner. Conversation wasn't flowing, so I suggested that we go somewhere quiet so we could talk. He agreed, but he didn't say much. I asked him what was wrong. He said nothing. I asked him if it was my fault that he was upset. He said he wasn't upset, that it had nothing to do with me and not to worry about it. On the way home, I told him that I loved him. He smiled slightly and kept driving. When we got home, he just sat there quietly and watched TV. He continued to seem distant and absent. Finally, with silence around us, I decided to go to bed. About 15 minutes later, he came to bed. But I still felt that, there, that he was distracted and his thoughts were somewhere else. He fell asleep. I don't know what to do. His journal for the same day, it read like this. Rough day, boat wouldn't start, can't figure out why. That's it. <laughs> That's the whole joke. <laughs> yep. It's funny, the difference between men and women, uh, and, and, uh, and maybe that's not funny because it's so real and, and what someone actually is thinking and what we think they're thinking. Uh, that's the whole point of communication. Uh, it has to be given well and received well, and if not, then there's a breakdown, kind of like with that joke there. Um, have you ever watched a, a parent try to communicate with, with a child who's hearing impaired and they, they use sign language? Um, the, the parent probably never thought that they would have to uh, to learn a new language, uh, especially uh, you know sign language, um, and and so just what a burden that would be, right? No, no, it wouldn't be at all. We would be we would be very happy to learn a language that would allow us to communicate with our child because we want that communication because we love our our children and and because we would want them to feel loved and valued, and so it wouldn't be a burden at all. Well, this morning I want to tell you a story about a loving father who has worked very hard to communicate with his children. This morning we begin our, our new series called, Why Christmas? Why did Jesus come to earth? Uh, e even Christians disagree on, on how God reveals himself to us. It's a, it's, it's a big thing. People doubt that God communicates with his people, but Christmas goes a long way in explaining how God did choose to uh, and, and, uh, and communicated with us, how he revealed himself to us. N.T. Wright said, Christmas is not about the living God coming to tell us everything's all right. John's gospel isn't about Jesus speaking the truth and everyone saying, of course, why didn't we realize it before? It's about God, God shining his clear, bright torch into the darkness of our world, our lives, our hearts, our imaginations, and the darkness not comprehending it. It's about God. God has a little child speaking words of truth, nobody knowing what he's talking about. Breakdown in communication. And so why Christmas? Well, we're going through a, a seven-week series, the next uh, well, six Sundays and then Christmas Eve, answering this question, why did Jesus come to earth? And, and you think, well, there's just one answer. Well, I think looking through Scripture, there's at least seven and probably another hundred. Um, but we're going we're gonna to look at seven, and I want to give you the, the big one today. Uh, I'm actually going to give you what I feel is the most important answer today and then, uh, then kind of um, spell it out a little bit more and show you how this isn't my thoughts, but this is 
from the Bible, from Hebrews chapter 1. Why did Jesus come to earth? Jesus came to show us God. It's, it's that simple. Jesus came to reveal to us who God is. One reason, a big one too. Now, uh, we're going to look at, at this, uh, this short passage in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and try to grasp this a little more. Now, we, we don't know for sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. Uh, many of the authors, it, uh, they say right at the beginning, this is who it's from, this is who it's to. Uh, there, are, there are many uh, different theories on who wrote the book, um, but we don't know for sure. But it probably doesn't matter that much because we know who the, who the book is written to. It's, uh, it's second-generation Christians. So their parents uh, knew Jesus and came to this new faith. But their grandparents uh, were, were Jewish. So they believed in God, but they, didn't, they weren't followers of the way. Obviously, Jesus had just come around that time. And so um, what they were doing is comparing this new faith with, with the old faith. Um, and, and the letter, the whole letter really shows us, uh, and it sets out to explain to them that this new faith is better. And so Hebrews 1, beginning at verse 1, it says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. All right. Very first thing he wants people to hear is God spoke to people since the beginning of time. He's been doing this a long time. The author assumes a lot, though. He assumes that, that the audience believes that God spoke to people. If they didn't believe that he spoke to them, then that he probably would just stop right there. It wouldn't matter. So his audience is people, they believed that God spoke to people, but he just needed to clear it up a little bit. Um, he doesn't try to prove it or demonstrate it. Uh, the letter, uh, it just wouldn't have any value. So we have to start under the assumption that we believe that God has found ways to speak to people. A big theme in this letter comes from the assumption also that the past gives way to better things, that the past matters. Uh, the Old Testament, when we study that, there's a reason for it because it points to something uh, new, some, something better. The author made this assumption. Uh, he also uh, assumed that people knew about the visions and and the dreams, and the prophetic words, that God revealed himself through creation, that he spoke to Joseph through dreams, and he spoke to Moses in the burning bush, and he spoke to Elijah in a gentle whisper, and he spoke to Hosea through family circumstances, that God has been trying to make himself known to people throughout the history of the world. He's assuming that they believe all that, and then it stopped. Silence can mean an awful lot. Just a few seconds of silence can go a long way. But how would you feel if you were in that time between Malachi's last words and when John the Baptist spoke his first words, that, that 400 years of, where's God? Why? Did, did he die? Did he leave us? Did he go, did he go somewhere else? Or there, did he go and make new people somewhere else? Where, where did he go? Why isn't he talking to us anymore? Does he just not care? God had given the people a lot to work with. Uh, the Old Testament's full of, of pieces uh, of who God is, but just pieces. There wasn't this full picture of God, of his, of his character, of his heart, of his plan. So there was a breakdown in communication. Communication is great when the message is both given and received. UNICEF spent a fortune creating posters to promote this idea of 
uh, of child vaccination to mothers in Rwanda. And the posters were great. Photographs with women and children with simple messages written in their local language about the importance of vaccinating every child. They were perfect. Except for the fact that the female illiteracy rate exceeded 70%. Communication was given but not received. The way that they spread was through songs, so it would, it would take a, a new way to communicate through a, through a song to give a message from, from one group of women to the next. That's, that's how it worked there. God spoke through prophets. Uh, we, we don't discount that. We, we don't say that, that didn't matter. It mattered an awful lot. I mean, you were, you were those people uh, before Jesus, and you heard the prophets speak and, and, and get you back on the right track and get you back to God and, and to repent. And we spent, we spent the last two series uh, in Old Testament prophets because it matters an awful lot. If we would put ourselves in their shoes, actually, it's just not that different. I mean, the lives of Malachi and Jeremiah and looking to themselves and looking to the people around them and looking to the government and looking to the, the whole world and, and everything's broken and falling, it mattered an awful lot. But it wasn't perfect. So it was time for a change. Verse 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Now, it's not clear when we stop there who the son is. But wouldn't it be nice if, if instead of sending these strangers to speak uh, on behalf of God and his character, if, if his own child would, would speak for him? Now, I, I don't know. Is that, would that be better? Would you, would you want your child to, to tell everyone your heart and your character and, and everything, how perfect you are? I don't know if my kids would always get it the way that I would want them to. Would you, how would you uh, talk about about your father, what would you say? Would you, would you say, man, that, that guy is perfect. You wouldn't believe how, how good he is. Well, I, I sure would. Yep, my dad's right there, so I would have said that if you weren't here, though. Now, he clears it up. He says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. And here's the big part right here, verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. The sun is the exact representation. There was no breakdown of communication. What God wanted us to know about him, what he wanted to reveal to us, he revealed to us through Jesus. That's a lot better. God didn't just reveal himself through words. He didn't just proclaim his message through Jesus. He sent his son who was him. Jesus didn't just proclaim God's message. Jesus is God. He is God's message. He came to reveal God to make him known to us so that we don't have this breakdown of communication anymore, so that we really truly understand who he is. John's gospel describes Jesus as the word becoming flesh and living among us. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. When Philip asked Jesus to show them the Father, Jesus said, have I been a have I been among you all this time without your knowing me, Philip? 
The one who has seen me has seen the Father. And he declares, I and the Father are one. If, if Jesus was not God, if he was just a, a great man, a great teacher, um, a, a, a prophet, if he was not God, then we should all just go home. There would be no point in being here and worshiping. Jesus has to be God. If not, he was, he was a liar and he was crazy. I mean, think about the words he said, uh, that he would uh, rebuild the temple in three days, and he was referring to himself. Those kind of claims, these claims here of, of him being one with the Father, you can't say Jesus was just the good teacher. It doesn't, doesn't work. He's either all, he's either God, or he's nothing. I think he is all, and that's why we're here. I think you do too. Remember why he did all this? Why did he send, why, did, why, did, why Christmas? Why did Jesus come to earth to reveal himself to us? God wanted to reveal himself to us so that we could understand. And because only then when we start to have a little bit more of an understanding can we have a relationship. We're not going to have a relationship with a faraway God who made us and left us alone and doesn't really care about our day-to-day lives. We wouldn't have a relationship with him. We wouldn't. Why? Well, good. He's he just made it and he's gone. Why does he care what I do? No, that that wouldn't work. God didn't want us to live that way, and so He sent His Son, because that's when lives can change and that's when our faith can matter. I want to uh, to finish uh, a little bit differently. Usually, I find some good stories that I like and try to mix them throughout. I'm, I want to put them all together because I think these stories will help to build off of one another to help us really see. Why this matters so much. First one's from a preacher, Matt Proctor. Uh, he talks about his relationship with his kids. And he said, my five-year-old Carl and my three-year-old Conrad love it when I dress like them. After they put on jeans and a blue t-shirt, they'll come ask me to wear jeans and a blue t-shirt. When I do, they have a saying. They will survey me, survey themselves, and say, look, Dad, same, same. For my birthday, Carl bought me a North Carolina blue mesh shirt because he has a North Carolina blue mesh shirt. We could be same, same. When I play living room football with my boys, it will not let me play standing, so big and scary and towering above them. Instead, they insist I get on my knees. When I'm down at at eye level, Conrad puts his hands on my shoulder and says, there, Dad, same, same. They like it when I enter into their world. This summer, I scraped my leg working on the house. Conrad fell down and scraped his leg. He pointed at my my scab and then showed me his and said, Hey, Dad, same, same. Here's the point. God himself has felt what we feel. He got down at eye level. And in the incarnation, or Jesus becoming human, God experienced what it's like to be tired, to be discouraged. He knows what it's like to hurt and to bleed. On the cross, Jesus himself prayed a psalm of lament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was real. In your pain, you may be tempted to say, God, you have no idea what I'm going through. You have no idea how bad I'm hurting. But God can respond. Yes, I do. He can point to your wounds, and then he can point to his own. And he can say, look, same, same. He can say, I have entered your world, and I know how you feel. I have been there, and I know... I know, I know uh, I'm with you now, and I care, and I can help. 
That's what Christmas is all about. Same, same. We likely will not know how much God loves us uh, through our experiences as, as the ups and downs of life. If we base uh, how we felt uh, or how we would feel God loves us based off of that, it would, it would be, I'm very loved one day and God doesn't care a thing about me the next. But when we look to the cross, when we look to the sacrifice that he would make by sending his son so that he could have that relationship, when he can say same, same, when we can look to him and know that he really does love us. He didn't just say it, he showed it. I read a, another a recent story that might give us a glimpse of what that looked like. Mary Daniel hadn't seen her husband for 114 days due to coronavirus restrictions at the senior care facility where her husband lives. Her husband, Steve, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's seven, seven years ago and moved into a care facility in Florida. She said she had been visiting her husband every night and would get him ready for bed. But when the coronavirus pandemic hit, health facilities restricted visitors. The facility closed to visitors on March 11th, the last time she saw Steve as a visitor. Mary was worried that her husband's spending so much time alone and and uh, that it would it would be bad for him. She was desperate to find another way to, to stay connected. She said, we have separated these folks to save them, but the isolation will absolutely kill them, especially dementia patients. They, they need interaction. They need to be touched so that they can grow instead of just really wither away. So Mary took a part-time job as a dishwasher at her husband's facility. This job is allowing Mary to see her husband regularly, and she's grateful for it. She said it is worth it to be able to visit him. I can already just tell the difference in his demeanor after three visits. I get to go again tonight, and it has made a world of difference for me. She said her husband now feels loved, something he missed out on when they were separated. I'm so grateful, she said. I'm so lucky and fortunate. fortunate I want to be with him every day. He was hurting. Uh, he was he was lonely, and in her words, something he missed out on when they were separated. What was that? That was love. So what did she do to be with him? Whatever it takes. We were in a place as a, as a whole people that we weren't hearing from God. I don't know how those people felt. I can only guess. When you personally don't feel like you're in a relationship with God or you feel like you feel abandoned, you feel like isolated, sometimes you need someone to remind you that he did whatever it takes to have that relationship. So why Christmas? Well, in, in a few moments here, we're going to close with a song and you'll be able to take communion on your way out. But as we move into that time, I want to finish with this final story from Timothy Keller. Why Christmas? If Jesus didn't come, the story of Christmas is one more moral paradigm to crush you. If Jesus didn't come, I want you to I, I don't I wouldn't want to be anywhere around these Christmas stories that say we need to be sacrificing, we need to be humble, we need to be loving. All that will do is crush you into the ground. But if Jesus Christ is actually God come in the flesh, you're going going to know much more about God. If Jesus is who he says he is, we have a 500-page autobiography from God, in a sense. And our understanding will be vastly more personal 
and specific than any philosophy or religion could give us. Because of Christmas, look at what God has done to you to know Him personally. If the Son would come all this way to become a real person to you, don't you think the Holy Spirit will do anything in His power to make Jesus a real person in your heart? Christmas is an invitation by God. Look what I've done to come near to you. Now draw near to me. I don't want to be a concept. I want to be a friend. Jesus came to show us who God is and what he's all about. As we take communion, let us be reminded that he was willing to do whatever it takes to have a relationship with each one of us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you first, before anything else. Uh, we acknowledge your, your greatness, um, that you are the creator of all things, that you could have done whatever you wanted with us. You could have thrown us off to the, to the side and, and moved on. That was your choice. But you wanted it to be real. Uh, Father, I thank you that you didn't leave us alone, that you didn't abandon us, but instead you did everything possible even sacrificing your own child, uh, so that we could have a, a real meaningful relationship. And so I pray that throughout Christmas, throughout this series, as we continue to ask the question, why did Jesus come to earth? Uh, that we would take each one of these and remember them uh, so that as we move forward, our faith would grow, grow stronger, our relationship would become more real, and our passion and love for you would grow each and every day. Thank you so much for your son and for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.